On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we're joined by a familiar voice to CHML listeners to talk about university problems, the Humboldt Broncos GoFundMe account, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, is it a homophobic racist show? And should we be doing another Woodstock? All these things and more coming up over the next few minutes. Stay with us. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Jen Watson has been, was at CHML here for how long? Uh, in total? In total. In total with Chorus, 11 years. 11 years and then yeah. decided did, to... Did a stint in Toronto for a bit and then came back. So. And then decided to try something else. But yeah. we, we like to bring her back because she's got lots of... Every now and then. Great ideas and thoughts and opinions and, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's a shame to have that just disappear yeah, into, no, the, you can't get rid into of the wind. Well... I told Jeff's story. You can't get rid of me that easy. That's that's a, that's a good thing. But Jen is in here for the next uh, two hours. But we played that music from Breaking Bad because every day there there are national days for everything. You, there is. You're right. They, they have these There's national lo- yeah. celebrations. I don't know how you exactly go about getting this done. I don't know if you have to petition the White House or who, what you do, <laughs> but there are all these national days. Uh, two days ago was National French Toast Day. Uh, the day before that was National Craft Jerky Day. We talked about that on the air. National Bavarian Cream Pie Day. I mean, specific Ooh, stuff. I mean, delicious. Specific. Delicious, but specific. Yesterday was boring. Yesterday was National Electronic Greetings Day. Today, however, National National Meth Awareness Day. Wow. <laughs> How do, oh, no, is that, a, is that a happy meth awareness day? Like is awareness that a, for, you know, is like that a watch Mary? out? Yeah, is that a merry meth awareness day? Meth what's the, awareness? What's the greeting that you give to someone when happy, you... Happy, merry, joyous? Meth awareness? No. I don't know. Or like a beware. No, it's just... It's like a beware-ness, not an awareness. No, it's awareness. National Meth Awareness Day. I So if you're on meth... Are you aware that you're, I, I don't know, I've never tried meth. Like that may be a, a tough day to celebrate because you're not even aware that you are. Or if you're celebrating it, is it are you going to be like, well, let's go celebrate with some meth. With like, some meth. That's yeah. why it should be, maybe it should be a beware day. As National to... Meth Bewareness Day. Yeah. Let me, let me open this up and see what they say. I mean, I'm quite sure that this is not actually a celebration of the <laughs> no, drug. I would hope not. I, I'm pretty sure that. <laughs> The Walter Whites of the world and uh, the rest of them did not petition whomever and say, you know, we need a day to celebrate our product. Yeah. Um, yeah methamphetamine, yeah, yeah, blah, blah. Um, National Methamphetamine I mean, Awareness Day. Is there a card day. for it? Like, you know, do you, yeah, do you, you find send, that in Hallmark? I do don't you think send so. a card for, for people who are, <laughs> you know, on meth who are tweaking? Um, uh, I, don't yeah, I don't know. The tweakers, do you, do you send a the card tweakers. to them? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a really complicated day to know how to... Celebrate. This started in, uh, well, I said, do you petition the White House? This started in 2006 in a proclamation signed by President George W. Bush. It was henceforth set forth November 30 as National Meth Awareness Day. I just And you're supposed to hashtag it with hashtag Meth Awareness Day. Oh. What would Is your it trending? Fr- what, what would your friends say if you started sending out hashtags <laughs> with Meth Awareness Day? They would think you had. Yeah, what's what's up, man? What's going on? What do we need to know? Yeah. About you? Yeah, are you okay? What, what did you know <laughs> exactly? <laughs> what did we not put on our resume when we hired when we right. went in for this last job? I just I find this great. I find it amazing that we have a day to celebrate it's a day for everything. The right. joyousness of methamphetamines. But you know what else today is. What is today as well? It's not a national holiday per se. But? But it is the eve of, of the anniversary of my wedding. 
<laughs> Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Throw it a, yeah, so if anyone with gifts. Yeah, come on. Preferably not meth. Yes, please, no, we're no, good. No gifts of meth. There are two kids at home. That's right. The package that shows up with they're blue crystals. They're crazy enough. Uh, it's, you know, they're they're good enough. That's all I need. I do think, though, this is uh, this is this is one of the oddest days on the calendar of the National Day calendar. It's National Mason Jar Day today. Today, oh, there's lots of it's, there's and lots of things today. What do you do with a mason jar? I mean, there's you, lots of things you can you do. You fill a mason it with jar. something. It's National Moose Day, and that's not the animal, the edible. So National, like chocolate, oh, vanilla, moose. whatever okay. moose. National Stay Home Because You're Well Day, which seems rather. <laughs> <laughs> so like play hooky day is really like really, Ferris yeah. Bueller day. It, that would be way better. Way better. Way better. Stay home because you're well day. Bosses don't love that one as much. There's not as much celebrating with that. But there have been other ones this month. Uh, National Day of Listening. That one's horrible. Uh, <laughs> National Sardines Day. Have you ever had sardines? I have had sardines. I had sardines on a pizza recently and it wasn't as good as I, well, I didn't really expect it to be that good, but. National really Baklava Day was earlier this month. There's there's oh. lots of them, but yes. So so anyway, today I would encourage everybody as we just you know bring this up. I would encourage everybody before you go to bed tonight, without any warning, just walk up to someone and wish them a happy Meth Awareness Day and see <laughs> what the response is that you get from them and what they say in return. Tape I would, it too. Go Facebook Live with this. That'd be great. Yeah, make a recording it of it. Just see what people do when you wish them a happy Meth Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. And waiting for you to give the next and, <laughs> and, and yeah. thank you. Yeah. And I would love to know, I'm going to have to do some more digging to find out again, what is the appropriate greeting, whether it's Merry Meth Awareness Day or that would seem to be the appropriate one. But maybe not everybody celebrates Meth Awareness Day. Well, so. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Jen Watson former CHML star. <laughs> a little more serious, well, a lot more serious. It was a terrible story. Everyone remembers now the story of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash from yep. last winter. A terrible, terrible, horrible story that was followed by one of the most beautiful neat national outpourings of sympathy and donations and mm-hmm. on and on and on. And we all know the story. We know how the story goes. This week, a judge in Saskatoon accepted the recommendations of a committee for the distribution of funds from the GoFundMe account, which was a huge million, multi, 10, 11, 12, 15 million dollars, Mm -hmm. whatever it was. And every family who lost a son in the bus crash is getting a payout of $525,000. I know you're going with this because I had the same question. (laughs) And I know that this was done with every good intention. And I, I understand very clearly the tragedy of this. I couldn't fathom losing a son, losing a child. Mm-hmm. I have a son and a daughter. I couldn't fathom losing either one, especially in a tragedy like this. And I can absolutely wrap my head around m- a huge chunk of money going to the surviving players who may be in wheelchairs or need their houses now redone to have ramps or mm-hmm. b- trucks, buses rehab, to get them around, everything. rehab. <clears throat> I feel kind of weird about giving $500,000 to the families of deceased players. And I don't know why it just, it feels, I don't know what that's, I mean. My question about it was why the difference in amount to the players who survived the crash, they get less than the families. They get get less. They do. They get 400 and 
what is the 525? I think it's yes, 475,000. Yeah. So why did they get less? See, I would think it would be the other way. Yeah. As it, I don't want to be cynical about this because, again, it, it is a terrible story that became a beautiful story, as much beautiful as it could be. Right. And we love the fact that people responded this way. And suddenly you've got all this money and you have to figure out what you're going to do with it. Yeah. And that's where people wanted it to go. They wanted it to go to these people. But it just feels squeamish almost to me that you are giving that the, it's not the fault of the families. Right. I'm not, I'm not blaming the families, but your child passed away. So we're going to give you a massive monetary gift. Yeah. That, and who knows? And, and hopefully, I, I mean, maybe the families will say, you know what? I mean, it's up to them. Right. And maybe they would put it towards, you know, maybe a foundation, a memorial, maybe they'll pool their money. Who knows? We right? don't know. And it's their choice entirely yeah. because that's what this was for. But I just, I didn't know if this was me being, I don't know, as I say, cynical or something, but it it seems odd to give this kind of money to a family because their kid died. Yeah. I, as I say, my, my initial thought was, and I didn't even realize until you just mentioned it, the survivors are getting less. They yeah. should be getting five times more. Yeah. And then I think there was already a payout of 50,000, I believe I heard, um, like an interim payout. I don't know if that was to the families as well, but so maybe, so so, so does that equal the 525, was it the survivors that got the 50,000? So all 29 people involved got 50,000 in August out of the fund to help them with things. So that would help immediately. With, immediately. So that would help if your child was deceased, presumably it would help with funeral costs. So with, even the families got the 50,000. Yes. With time okay. off work, with everything else. Right. And, and to me, that's the kind of thing that's for, I. But yeah, I will, but what did people think? Like when, when whoever started the GoFundMe page, what was the purpose? I mean, obviously. I think the purpose was because people felt so horrible. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. They right. wanted to do something and this was there. And then once this GoFundMe thing started I mean, building. it went international. It seemed like it was a, 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 a ball rolling down a hill and it was a great thing to do. And it was a great thing to do. And it is a lovely gesture that yeah. people could make from around the world and around the country. I don't know that anyone at the time this was going on probably gave a lot of thought to well, what will happen and when will this thing it, is done? Yeah. And I mean, no. So what What if the judge had said, because it was up to the judge to decide, well, it was a panel recommendation, I mm-hmm, believe, mm-hmm. Um, to decide how the money would be dispersed, you know, rather than saying, you know, we're going to pay the families, like, why didn't they put it towards a foundation or a community? Well, somebody's going to run the foundation. I don't know. But you know what I mean? I, I wonder why the panel decided it should go to the families. Again, you know I, I mean? don't, uh, this is, the, uh, I'm not taking Or maybe a, sh- a little bit of it and then the yeah. rest to I'm something I'm not taking bigger? a shot at the families no, no. here. That's not what this is. That's not what, this not. is not criticizing the families. But however they came to this conclusion, it just seems to me an odd thing to be, or an uncomfortable, maybe that's the right word, an uncomfortable thing to right. be paying families for a dead son or the appearance that that's what's happening. Because mm-hmm. you can't bring a kid back right. with that money, no matter how much you pay. What I find really striking about this is that this is not a situation that is unanimously agreed upon by the families. Oh. So there are differences of opinion. Some families wanted it to be equal with everybody, doesn't matter who. Others are saying, others I think are 
feeling probably that there are people out there feeling a little bit like me that is just a, a little uncomfortable with the idea that the families of the deceased are getting such an enormous amount of money. You can't buy your son back. No. It's unfortunate. Everybody wishes you could. But that the survivors who are now in wheelchairs and in physiotherapy and in therapy and paralyzed or what are actually getting less. It yeah. just, that seems it, something about this seems wrong. That does. That was my first question: was why are the survivors getting less? And you know, you're talking about feeling uncomfortable about just the whole idea of of them getting money. It's it's a little consolation, right? When you look at the fact that you know I lost my son. So I mean, yeah, and you said money's not going to bring him back, but you know, when you have an accident, you know, somebody's killed by a drunk driver, and somebody gets sued, and then they get a lump sum of money. I mean, what's What's the difference really the is, difference? Well, the only difference in that is that if you're suing someone who has been a drunk driver, you are in some ways that what they have to pay you is punitive. You're, they are paying for their sins, essentially. It's a punishment that they are losing that money. In this case, it's not a punishment because it was a generous gift yeah. from people around the world. But I mean, world. it is damages. They did suffer damages. And there could be further from the bus company, right? Well, right. Or, or and from the was, trucking company. And that's what I was going to say. Is there any, have have there been any repercussions since that? Because there was a whole big thing about the driver of the truck, right? Well, so will in all likelihood, there will be, I would assume the order is going, well, I'm assuming the order is going to be, he'll go through his criminal trial because he's been charged. Mm-hmm. And then depending on how that goes and what evidence comes out there, I would fully expect that there mm-hmm. would probably be a lawsuit. And then, and then even more money. And then possibly more money. But again, that is, if if in fact, and we don't we don't really know the details of this. We know the details, but not the cause or the the nuance. If the driver of the truck truly had done something negligent, negligent, yep. then that payment, the lawsuit, is payment for that. It's a penalty for right. doing that. Whereas this isn't. I, I would have looked at this story and if, and I'm not the judge, I'm not on the panel. I didn't hear the parents talking, but it would have been my thought that you would say, okay, the parents of those who passed away, you're going to get something for the time off you had to take off work for the costs of funerals, for the this, for that. But those who are alive and struggling, we want to make sure you don't have to worry about that for the rest of your life. How they got to them getting less. Doesn't say at all. Nobody asked that question? Well, they've talked. So there were, they received 31 different reports from different family members and other people involved in this. And then a bunch of them wanted to speak to it, but there was not unanimity. There was not across the board agreement on how this should be done. Mm -hmm. And some said they wanted it absolutely equally. Some said they wanted different things for different people. It, It... it's, it's really hard to criticize this in any way because it looks like you're being insensitive or not sympathetic right. to the situation. That's not what this is. It's the opposite. I, I have more sympathy in a weird way now for the kids who have been paralyzed or whatever oh, yeah. else. Now, the families who lost people, of course, that's, that's a, a, an enormous burden to have to carry, but... If you have to go through your life, you've been a hockey player, you've been an athlete, and you now have to adjust your complete life. Everything in your life, your plan has changed. That that is that is a nightmare to yeah. me. And so to get you a a van to get around and to get you your whatever else, I'm I don't know. It's, so what do you think that 
maybe the money could have gone to or should have gone to? Well, if if it was going to go to the families and that was what people were contributing to, so I think you were... That was in their mindset, right? I think you already. have to do that. Right. You can't just say, okay, we'll give the families each 25,000 bucks and the rest goes to a foundation. I think you have to do what people wanted when they first put it in. Yeah. But I would have I would have given a whole lot more to the people who were still around. The survivors, yeah. Because I'm not sure what the money is for to the families of the deceased be after their expenses and the time off work and everything else. And they may still have be having to take time off work. Yeah. Maybe for years to come. Maybe. But it, it seems to me, it seems like it, this one kind of misses a little just bit. Maybe just a little excessive. Excessive and misses as far as giving less to the survivors. It just. Yeah. That I don't, I don't really it misses, understand. To me, it misses the with. point. Yeah. It misses the point to me. Uh, I'd love to hear from you what you think about this. Radley at 900chml.com. Whether you agree, disagree, you're allowed to have an opinion. Let me know about it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900chml. Last night on the show, Jen, I had uh, a guest on. We were chatting about this story that was in the Globe and Mail about university and college students. And there's a study out from the Higher Education Quality (laughs) Council of Ontario, which is the government agency that monitors the post-secondary system in this province. So it's a government agency looking at government-run public sector so or p- public sector schools. Okay. One in four students in post-secondary education in this province, apparently, has numeracy and literacy scores that are not high enough to get by in the modern world when they get a job. We are having people come into university pushed through high school, Mm -hmm. get to university, don't have the abilities and pushed through university and out the other end and they are not ready. And my guest last night, who was a strong critic of this system, he says basically universities now are just businesses. We're just selling, we're servicing clients. We don't have students. Why can we not fix this? I I mean, he he has lots of ideas, but I want to hear your idea. Why can we not fix this? Because it seems obvious now. It's it's completely obvious and... I think right there, it's they're a business. They're not. They're not looking. They're just looking at how many graduates can we tout that we, you know, we have every year from this program. And I've heard it from teachers. I have friends who are teachers, whether it's elementary, high school. They got to get pushed through. And this is why, you know, when they talk about kids today. I mean, I'm I'm a millennial. I'm an older millennial. I'm I still re- I remember doing you know. Uh, essays with no internet. I used a, um, an encyclopedia. I used actual books as Use well. Use a typewriter? I, I had a typewriting right. class in grade nine. Absolutely. And this is, this is, I think, part of the reason why, like if they don't even have basic literacy skills, they're definitely not going to have other type of life coping skills. But it seems to me that this is a problem. It's that, all it's all connected. But it ex- it starts long before anyone ever gets to university. By the time oh, you get yeah. to university, you haven't you don't get to university and lose your literacy or numeracy. No, you skills. just never had it to you begin with. You never had it, and yet we have somehow decided that it's more important to push kids through because of the socializing. I guess of they don't want to be without their friends. We've decided it's more important for them to keep moving through than to hold people back. I know kids who failed. I mm-hmm. failed grade nine math. I'm not proud of that. Yeah. Didn't put any effort in. And you get, oh, what, you get, you get what you put into it. You get it. what you put in. I failed it. I had to take a summer school course. Yeah. I was fine after that. I learned my lesson. But the fact is I failed. And that's I, the thing. And nobody's learning that lesson anymore. 
Yeah. Nobody's you, learning how to fail. Nobody's learning, okay, well, you know what? I didn't follow through. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Well, I'm just going to get pushed through anyway. I'm going to get these booklets where I can, you know, just whiz through a, a semester course in two weeks. I... It's, I don't know how our education system has gotten to this point where we have decided that the emotional, it seems anyway, this is, this is my interpretation of this, that the emotional health of the kids is paramount, is much more important than actually having them be able to do the stuff that the school it, it exists is. to do. It's absolutely true. And I know from, you know, personal experiences with close friends and family that there is... A, and, and, you know, I, I do understand there there has to be, um, you have to take care of your mental health. Of course. There has to be emotional and, support. Th- right. But I mean, to the point where, you know, you're being catered to, to the nth and degree. And not corrected. And, and just chance after chance after chance after chance. And I, I really think it's all connected. We were talking even about, and I, I can't just blame social media, but, you know, the the lack of, of skills, even social skills, face-to-face interpersonal skills, the the spelling, because everybody mm-hmm. talks and types on social media in LOL, BRB, or that's actually an old, like, messenger, be right back. But, like, you know what I mean? It's It's all abbreviations and short forms and... Nobody knows how to spell. Nobody knows their punctuation, you know, and it's all. And then and that really ties into the mental health, too. And it's really detrimental to people. What would happen? students. Because we say we don't want to hold people back. We don't want to fail them. We don't want them to feel like they have failed. What would happen if a plumber came to your house and you paid them and they did an atrocious job and didn't fix the problem and we applied the same standards to the plumber where you can't say you you did a horrible job. You've got to fix it. You've got to do it again until you get it right. We just said, thanks, that's great. And some people do that. I, on the other hand, am not like that. But I, I had, don't think that we should be know, like that. No, we, we don't shouldn't. have to be mean. We don't have to be jerks about it. Right. But I think if we if we want stuff to be done properly, you yeah. ask them to do it properly. Yeah. And if you are in English and you can't read coming out of grade five, there is no point in pushing them into grade six. Right. Absolutely. But we do. You know, and there's, and there's, and there, I'm sure are many extenuating circumstances and reasons, you know, perhaps the child doesn't have good support at home or whatever. You know, there, there's always different reasons. But does that override the core problem? That is, you can't do, no, I'm saying, should it, that you can't do the work. Therefore, whatever your problem is at home, and we're sympathetic to that, whatever your issue is, you're not moving up a grade until you can do this. You know, and there are so many support systems in place that, you know, let's get to the root of that problem and and help that student actually succeed and and do, you know, learn learn how to read and learn those skills, but I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, when you talk about they're not allowed to fail and even just like little things. So my daughter just started kindergarten. So this is my first experience in this back in the school system since I graduated high school in 2000. Well, I finished OAC, which doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. in 2001. And so, so far, you know, it's been it's been fine. But just trying to prepare her in just like for anything. We were walking to school the other day. And she's running with this little girl that we befriended and we walk to school with her every morning. Well, they like to race. And she's older. She's in grade five, actually. And so they're racing. And then, well, the older girl beat her to the stop sign. My daughter 
throws herself down on the grass and starts having a fit because she didn't win. And I looked at her and I said, sweetie, that's not real life. You're not always going to win. You're being ridiculous. Get up off the grass and let's get to school. You know, like enough. And, and Now, and, but you may be unique there because some people would have then found some other thing and either told your daughter. Oh, here, have this prize have instead. This, or no. chewed out the girl for beating her and said, you should have allowed her to win because. Uh, and, no, and, and, I, I, and I tell her, I said, you know, that's not fun for your friend. But I wonder how much of this is the fault. Let's be honest, not of the kids. I'm not blaming kids on this one. I'm not even necessarily blaming at the core the administrators of the school who have put these policies in places because I'm blaming the parents and not all parents, the parents who, when their kid doesn't get an A, screams and yells and goes and complains, or when their kid gets a detention, screams and yells and goes and complains, or when they don't make a team, they go in and scream and yell and complain, which is why now when you have elementary schools that have a basketball team or a volleyball team. 30 kids. There's 30 kids and <laughs> yeah. everyone gets two minutes of playing time. Yeah. And once upon a time, you tried out for a team and if you didn't make it, you try to get better. But the last time I checked and the one that, what has turned out, you know, it used to be that sports was the last real meritocracy, it seemed. That if you were good, you played. And if you didn't, you didn't. Now, again, everybody makes the team. The one place now in school, it seems, or one of them, where there is still some meritocracy is in the music, either drama or music. Because you can't have, if your school is putting on Les Mis, you can't have 17 Jean Valjeans and nobody else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right? There has to be a lead. There has to be in the orchestra a first trumpet, a second trumpet. Not everyone plays. I was in pit band. I was in place. And yeah, I did that too. So we still seem to think it's okay there. We still, in, there are certain little areas of education where we still seem to say it's okay for some people to be ahead of other people. But we've, in a lot of places said, that's not allowed anymore. I've, I was reading earlier this year <laughs> that some schools have canceled their academic awards. What? Because... Kid, the same kids were winning most of the awards and other kids were being very upset and, and very... Then you need to try harder. <laughs> and so if there's or, a... or Or you need to ask for help. You need to, you need to take responsibility for yourself. My daughter, I think, finished second in grade eight, I think it was, finished second in like six of her academic awards to the same kid. <clears throat> yeah. Who was a genius. He's off. I think he's in engineering now and good for him yeah. and he's great. But the fact is, this is life. But we would we have parents now that are saying, if my kid's not going to win, we can't allow their self-esteem to be damaged. So there should not be See, any See, where awards. are these parents getting it from? Because the parents are like between, like, they're my age or well, a little or bit older. older. A it's, little bit older. I'm 30, I'm going to be 37 in a month. So, you know, we're all... I mean, or they're older with you, like the teenagers. I think you can go up by another 20 years. I think this probably another started- Another 20 years? I think this probably started 20 years ago, that this thing started to come in and become a thing where parents were because helicoptering. It's, and, well, it's funny because, you know, people talk about the kids and how they, you know, act and, but yeah, so, but where are the parents getting it from? Like- and it has to, it has to start somewhere. So where did it start? And you want to blame, blame this, but aren't you guys the one- to be blamed? Well, were your parents helicopter parents that would have gone in and screamed and yelled no. to get you? No, neither were no, mine. No, neither they were would, mine. Well, what happened? You know, and and if they felt, 
I've said this before, that if I had ever been brought home in a police car, my dad would not have been out there chiding the police officer for arresting me. I would have been scared for my life. <laughs> and, I mean, and that's a good thing yeah. though. And my I had parents a healthy were, fear. And, and for sure. And, but also my parents were fair in that they would hear my side and then they would hear the other side. But I never got in trouble, so. <laughs> oh, oh, I did. Not, not with the police. Never <laughs> no, with the police. No, I never got Only at school. I, yeah. I think that my name may still be, there may be a plaque on the uh, detention chair where Are I spent most of my, well, uh, I don't know if it was the a Scott legend. Radley? Yeah, uh, the Scott Radley? The Scott Radley. In detention. They would know me like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've heard about you. Yeah, we know you. I, I just, I look at this and I think that it's that that is the problem that started this whole thing when we're talking about this university, that one in four don't have numeracy and literacy skills now when they get popped out the other end because the universities can't do anything about it. Because if you were literally to take all the students who don't have acceptable levels and say, you don't even get into university, mm-hmm. well, they've got a problem then because we've got a lot of no spots. Customers. We have a lot of spots in university to fill, a lot of professors to pay. And then, and then what they're turning out into the workforce, like it just, it's, it's, a, vi- it's a vicious cycle now. How do you stop it? I don't know if you do stop it. The only way you stop it, honestly, and we're not going to do this because one of the things government never likes to do when it has an industry is get rid of jobs. We, government only ever gets bigger. It rarely, rarely ever gets smaller. The answer to this, honestly, and I'm not proposing this, but the only way you, I think you can stop this now is if you closed a bunch of universities or colleges. Now, I'm not pushing or for that. Or actually had them to have a strict... But if you do that, guideline but to you get in. But even that won't standard. work because if you do that, suddenly, according to this study, 25% of your students can't even probably make it in. Well, now you've got 25% empty seats, you've got a layoffs, you've got class. It would require massive cuts, and we're not going to do And I don't want cuts. No. So the only answer to not have cuts down the road, if that's the solution, is to make sure that the people coming out of school and start at the beginning. At the beginning. All over again. Exactly. At the beginning can actually be prepared. So when they get there, they can be taught as university students, not as grade nine or 10 equivalent students coming into university. Well, and I do have to say, like I said, you know, my daughter's starting kindergarten and my first experience again, you know, with school since I was in it and I had heard these stories about, you know, yeah, nobody fails. Everybody is catered to. Like I said, I've got friends who are teachers and my daughter's teacher, I was pleasantly surprised and she's my age, maybe a little bit younger, and she's good. She doesn't put up with, you know, like she's very loving and very, she's wonderful, 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 wonderful in all the right ways. Loving, caring, but she doesn't put up with crap, <laughs> you know, and I appreciate that because uh, I want you to keep my kid in line if she's doing something she's not supposed to be doing. Just uh, before we go to break, I got an email from Tom who says that this is all part of a United Nations policy that would reduce the education standards in countries like ours, which would then allow other lesser countries to catch up so the wealth could be shared around the world. That is a, it's a little conspiratorial, but it's a redistribution of wealth idea that the countries that are behind the West would therefore, will come down to them so that then we so don't dominate the dumbing world. It, you're dumbing us down? That's the suggestion. I don't know. Well, but something needs to be done. That's a big risk. That's a re- big risky game to take. Well, but if, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll just leave it there. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, as I say, Jen Watson in studio for the next hour, brightest conversation 
and Hamilton Radio. And Jen, I thought I would bring this one forward because tomorrow is December 1st. Tomorrow is the official, in my mind anyway, the official acceptable start date for the Christmas season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tomorrow... Everybody is allowed to begin celebrating Christmas. Now, many people have done it already. I get that. I'm not going to dump on you. But in my world, December 1st is the, it's okay. Yeah. You can do this. So it's a, it's a bit of a Christmas story. There are folks, apparently, who are very upset with the cartoon <laughs> or the animated show Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I was I was engaging in um, an online conversation about this. About this? Yeah. So the there was a column that was written on the Huffington Post that has received innumerable responses, both pro and con, suggesting that the Christmas classic, now 52 years old, I believe, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was serious, this is their quote, seriously problematic over claims that it features rampant sexism and bullying. Among the observations is the suggestion that TV classic is a story about racism and homophobia <laughs> and that Santa Claus is abusive and bigoted <clears throat> that needs diversity and inclusion training, that Rudolph's father verbally abuses him by forming, forcing him to wear a fake nose yeah, to be accepted Donner's by others. Nice. Yep. Uh, on and on and on and on. How come... We can't just watch a show, a kid's show, basically, and say, like, there's no, nobody's dropping racial epithets in this. No one is. It's the undertones. It's the, uh, I get, the well, things that they don't say or the way they say certain things. It's the undertones if you want to find them there. Yeah. No, here's the thing. Santa's a jerk. Donner is not nice. He's a bad father. Right off. But, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I, when I was engaging in this online conversation, it was all tongue in cheek. Like, it's ridiculous how, if, if, if you were to look at it through the, that lens of like today's society, it's full of bullying. And it, no, it totally is. But at the same time, like, I'm not angry about it. I still let my kids watch it, you know, and, and it's, I don't know, I think it's funny because, you know what, that was the sign of the times. That was how many years ago. It's a classic. I'm not seriously, like, upset about it. I think it's funny. And I, I didn't realize that somebody had posted um, uh, an article about, like, all the memes and all the, sorry, the tweets that people were talking about these things. And it would seem to be very tongue-in-cheek, but I haven't read the Huffington Post one yet. And if they're actually serious or are they being... No, no, they're serious. And, they're and the, serious. Okay, well, that's just ridiculous. And there's been a ton of people who back a couple of weeks ago, when was American Thanksgiving? Last weekend, mm -hmm. last week, uh, who were very upset. There was a lot of criticism on social media and elsewhere about ch a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, which first aired in 1973, because apparently no one had noticed this until this year, apparently, but Franklin the one black character is alone on the side of the holiday table while the other people were on the other side. And so this is clearly <laughs> Charles M. Schultz and the people being rampant racists. Oh, and man. so it should be taken off the air. We shouldn't be showing the no, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. No, how about you just don't watch it? If you don't like it, don't watch it. But like Jen, really, that's all it comes down to. But Jen, that just perpetuates that other people will still have their <laughs> racialized, bigoted views But you're enhanced. not going to... If somebody does have those views, you're not going to change their views. But, and that doesn't enhance anything. I think it just, 
you're not going to change people's minds. That's what the, they're going to view it the way they're going to view it. So if you don't like it, don't watch it. I sim- I don't understand how we can take stuff that is, I think, entirely innocent and find ways to turn everything into something that is politicized or is divisive. I really don't believe, and maybe I'll be proven wrong at some point, maybe the folks who were behind the making of Rudolph, if any of them are still alive, maybe they will come forward and say, oh yeah, we were all homophobes and racists and this was our (laughs) secret way of messaging. I would bet money that none of them said, oh yeah, we were trying to make a subtle no. shot against gay people no, when we did this. No, probably not. But I think what it do- what it is is a sign of those times and it was probably a subconscious that's the way people thought, that's the way people that's the the types of um you know insults or the things you said to people um like off the cuff like those were the things you could say it was acceptable to say it's not acceptable anymore or uh, and just it's a change of the times in society. And I think that's just a reflection of people's mindsets, the way they spoke, the way and 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 maybe not. I don't think it was purposely done with that in mind, but maybe subconsciously, if you know, you have a bias towards something and it shows in your work. But I don't think but would that not be reflected then in pretty much everything? So all it is. Mo- so all movies from back in the day. Some of them are okay. Even okay. For example, my favorite, my favorite sitcom, and I have watched the entire series, ten years worth of shows from beginning to end, multiple times. Is Friends, classic, hilarious. It doesn't get old for me. And some of the jokes. You couldn't say that on TV anymore. And it's not like they're swearing, but, you know, they, they are, you know, making reference to, oh, you sound gay or you sound this or or whatever. Or there's an episode where Joey's dating this girl, this little short girl, and she likes to punch. And so she's, oh, you know, and, and punches him in the arm. Well, it hurts. And then so all the friends are, oh, is Joey getting beat up by a girl? Oh, poor Joey. Oh, and, you know, but if you did that now, I mean... Because assault is a serious thing and, you know, there are men that do get assaulted by women and to make light of that would be, you can't do that now. And I'm not, I'm not saying No, I know me, what, I know what you're saying. That's I, a class. And, and I've read articles that people are talking about how, you know, friends shouldn't be aired or whatever, like just stop and just don't watch it. <laughs> but it was a sign of the times from the, the 90s and the early 2000s. If you Things were to go changed. through with a fine tooth comb, every piece of entertainment, TV, plays, music. movies, music. Yeah. If you go through with a fine tooth comb, you would probably, uh, because we always hear about, uh, what was the word you used a, a moment ago? A sort of subconscious or, or dog whistle or mm-hmm. uh, microaggressions or all mm-hmm. these. Like you can, you can, if you want to, there are, look, there are some that are blatantly obvious. Right. All right. There's uh, uh, dire straits. I was just going to say, yeah, they, okay. uh, there was a whole thing about that too. And they use a word for gay people that you don't use these days, but nope. it's still in the song. That's clear cut. You can have the discussion about that. But with the other ones, you can, if you want, probably massage almost anything to find something you want on one side or the yeah. other. You can say, well, that's a sub, you know, that's a little shot. That's a, this, why are we doing that? This is the thing I don't get. I understand if, if there is a song that someone has done that has the N word in it, 
all right, that's pretty blatant. We can have that discussion about whether that's appropriate to be playing anymore. But to actually sit there and spend your time burrowing into (laughs) Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer (laughs) and determining whether or not somehow there are subliminal messages that are homophobic (laughs) or something else seems like... Is this really what we want to do with our time in our that's society? That's happening all that. That's of happening everywhere, right? Of Everyone has to have something to be offended by, or be upset about, or argue why, about, though? or be upset. Why? It's a great point. Know. You're right, but why? I, 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 I would love to know that too. I don't know. I really don't know. I, and I wish that it wasn't like that, you know. And and so I said before about you know, well, if you don't like it, don't watch it or whatever. And you can't also ignore and pretend that the past didn't happen, like that things weren't like that, they were. So you learn from it and you and society changes. It has over years but and we've, years But we've years. taken a different tack on that now because now, rather than saying we're going to learn from what we see, we're going to erase it. We're going to erase it. So we want well, statues of prime ministers to be taken down. We want statues of presidents to be gone, of, of, of leaders of armies in the South or whatever mm-hmm. else. We want to get rid of TV shows. That are glorifying it or... That are even talking light. about it. We yeah. don't want to kill a mockingbird red anymore. We don't want this oh, and that. Oh, that's... Yeah. But we, we would rather, it seems, if there's even a hint, if somebody comes up with a hint that there is something inappropriate or some sub-message in this thing, we have to get rid of it. We would rather just get rid of it and have it gone rather than having it as something that we can deal with or learn from or whatever else. It it drives me nuts. Yeah. It does. It drives me nuts. Yeah, and have a conversation about it, you know. So if maybe my kid comes to me one day and says, ask me a question about it, then we'll talk about it. But, like, I that none of that ever occurred to me. I mean, I watched Rudolph since I was a little kid, too, and I still watch it. And none of that ever really occurred to me as I was growing up. It never, you know, pierced my subliminal well, what's know, the end of Rudolph? What know? happens at the end of Rudolph? Everyone's happy. Oh, well, because Santa first, he, you know, get that that red nose is embarrassing. Oh, but now I need your help. So now you're going to save the day. Now now I need you for something. So but now in, you're my best friend. But in the end, they all seemingly there is a happy message that he is accepted and all the like. I, I can't even believe we're breaking down the nuance <laughs> of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer here. Uh <laughs> But, but see, just I a, think it's just, I take it like tongue in cheek. Like I'll break it down. It's funny to me because it's, it's that. It I guarantee you that the people mean, writing it are not saying that they were not doing this tongue in cheek. They're pointing out just the yeah. fact that you would, just the fact that you would actually think this to sit down and write it tells you it's in their mind. Right. That this is, this is when I watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, when you and I sit down, Jen, and watch, not together necessarily, it, but, but when you and I sit down to watch <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with our respective families, we are watching a fun claymation, old, traditional yeah. throwback to a different simple time and other people are sitting down and parsing this thing as a homophobic, racist screed against and the weakest among us. And we must. Well, what is it? What is it? Uh, is it Don? One of the deers as well? Or is it Santa? Better get the women back to Christmas Town. Like women can't go out. They got to get back to Christmas Town. You know, it's time to get them covered up and and again because they're fragile. But and, what happens if we get rid of that? Like, it, it, does that change no. what happened in the past? No. It doesn't change. It's not going to change anyone's attitudes either. Like No. Know? And and in fact, the irony of this whole thing is if you hear that line now and you go, "Really?" Even if the even if that was your response, if you heard that and you went, "Well, that really, you're going to send the women back to town." Does that <laughs> not then reinforce the fact that 
it's a good thing to hear this to remind us that that's not what we yeah, do anymore. Yeah, and you know what? That line, Jay and I laugh every time we watch it and we hear that line. And if he's listening right now, he's laughing because I said that because it's hilarious because it's so absurd. Like it's just, it's a, I don't know. The, I just look at it as absurd but funny. Like, but yeah, and I'm not offended by it by any means. It's just, it's an old school movie. That's a classic. Yeah, I just, it, I, I wish I could understand the thinking behind people who can't be happy unless they're angry. Yeah. That they, they they have to feel something and the only feeling they can have seems to be by being offended. And so I must find offense at all times or else I'm in a state of numb. I need that. It's like getting into a bathtub and you get into a hot bath, but eventually the water feels cooler. So the only way to get that same feeling of hot is to put more hot water in. Yeah. I always have to have something to offend me to keep the buzz going. But is it has does it have something to do with, I think it has a lot to do with social media and what happens when somebody gets on a roll and something gets trending and then it gets in the news and people are like... And like a bandwagon happens. And I think maybe that is what drives people. They want to They want to start the next wave. They want to be the leader of the next. And because it's so easy to do that now. Like you could be, who needs to go and get a talent agent and go to, you know, Hollywood to try and break into showbiz. You just go create a YouTube channel and you got all these YouTubers that are world famous making millions of dollars. And like, you know, this is a crusader because they tweeted something and it got retweeted, you know, 50 million times. And I think just everybody wants to be the next. But where are the people when they, okay, so Jen Watson, you would never do this, but Jen Watson sends out a just screed about something that we look at. And most people would look Skating at and say, tweet or something, yeah. where are the people to say, you're an idiot, just shut up and go away. We don't have, people jump on board with this and yeah. get madder and madder and madder. And now you have a fight. Everything has to be and a I fight. I think sometimes people, they like to just fuel it. Sure. I see that oh, all the yeah. time. They troll oh, yeah. and they just want to throw fuel on the fire and get them even more ramped up. They don't care. They don't, they don't care either way. They just want to see it spiraling out of control and laugh. But you and I, before the show, ironically, it was not related to this per se, but we were laughing and joking about the fact that there are some people that have seemingly completely lost the ability to discern sarcasm, a joke, mm-hmm. a quip, right? So, so And you, online, you can't well, online, discern it at all. No, because there's no nuance, tone. there's no tone. So if someone says something that is obviously offensive, obviously offensive, and you as a joke go, oh, no, 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 I'm all for that. I No, I absolutely. Online... You're right. You would have no way to discern that the person is being ironic, is being funny, is being sarcastic. I think that happens all the time and sometimes people to, to a person's detriment where they get just lambasted because they were trying to be funny or they're trying to be facetious or whatever and it got taken the wrong way out of context. Because they and don't, because people, yeah. Because so, there is no context. Well, let me use an example here. Let's say that you said... Again, being very sarcastic, you said, I read a story. You're not being sarcastic. You read a story and it was about some uh, African-American person who was told to go to the back of the bus. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is the story we're reading. And then I say very sarcastically, oh, I'm all in favor of that. They should all go to the back of the bus. Right. Right. And of course, the point is I'm being ironic. I'm being sarcastic. That's not what you want. It's a, how idiotic is that, that that would happen. But if you say that online or in some sort of other context- 
there is no way to determine. And any, or or it's well that joke it, it was in bad taste. That was in yeah. And so well, that was a bad joke then. But now now you're a criminal. Like you're you're it's your life is over because you made a bad joke. But we all seem to be well, not all. Many <laughs> seem to be needing. Mm-hmm. to find something to be offended by every morning when they wake up. just want to jump on the bandwagon and feel part of something, I think. This, uh, this, this Rudolph... Well, socialize. How about well, that? <laughs> th- this idea that somehow Rudolph is now should be taken off the air because it's well, bigoted, seriously problematic and racist. I, I'm... I'm going to have to watch it again. and uh, Going home tonight, but, crack but, a beer, and turn on Rudolph. But, I have a copy. Come but on But you over. don't want to know something. We've got to go to break. But here's the other part now. Now that this has been brought forward by people, I hate that I'm now going to watch this with that in the back <laughs> of my mind. That sort of lens? I hate You're going to pick it all out now. Yeah, because I hate that now, because even if it's not there, the fact that that has been put into your mind yeah. is, is you're now going to go, oh, well, how am I enjoying this now? Because now I feel like I'm seeing stuff I don't I I just think it's funny maybe I shouldn't but I think it's, no I think it, you it's, should it's funny I think you should <laughs> and if anyone's offended by it then oh well so be it yeah you're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML there are rumors there are talks including a quote from the original promoter of Woodstock Michael Lang that next summer there will be a 50th anniversary Woodstock concert being done, maybe not on the exact site, but nearby. Uh, some of the names that have popped up are Bruce Springsteen, Coldplay, Fish, Elton John, Bon Jovi, Pearl Jam, Foo Fighters, Pink, The Who, who were there, Santana, uh, Mumford and Sons, on and on and on. Should we have things like this, or should we allow these signature once in a lifetime, one time moments to just stand on their own and then say, you know, iconic moments and let's come up with something new. Why do we have to relive? Everything you have to redo, remake. Yeah. It seems to me Woodstock is is sort of, you you can never, I don't think you could ever recapture for better or for worse, because there's parts about it that are, the music was great. Yeah. Some of the drugs and all the other stuff you would say in modern times, that's no, that's not good. But we seem to be unable, if anything works, we have to do it again and do it again and do it again and chase that again and again. Capitalize that and chase that high again, I guess, so to speak. So to speak. (laughs) Seems to me this is, do something else. Well, I mean, they did Sarstock. I mean, and that was kind of like. It was sort of a Woodstocky thing. But not the same. But it was a. You're right. And that was the one f- after SARS in Toronto back yeah. in 2003, I think, 2004, something, something like that, that they did with the Stones and ACDC. And, uh, but that was for a particular purpose. It was yeah. a state, it was not a Woodstock too. And actually we've had Saugerties. Remember Saugerties was like a Woodstock no. follow up. And we had uh, another one. We had Live Aid and then we had Live oh, Eight. Yeah. Sorry, that was not Woodstock. That was the Live Aid. Thing. Oh, we had Live oh, Eight, yeah, and then yeah. we had Saugerty's Live Eight, and okay. li- and all. We just seem unable to let go of the past. Let go of the past, and oh. let's try something new. Live in the now. Like even if you <laughs> want to have a uh, a festival, which is great, because there are music festivals all the time. Boots and Hearts is on yeah. all the time, so you can have. A, but why does it have to be called Woodstock and be held at Woodstock and seemed? Like, do we do we want all the kids and grandkids of the Woodstockies to Woodstockers? 
Woodstockers. <laughs> to, to, is Woodstockonians. This what, what, yeah, Wood, Woodstainians. Woodstockians. I'm not sure. I don't know. I looked at this. I went, this is, to me, it's almost sad. Let the, let this moment stand. Let it stand. lie, yeah. Let it stand. It was a thing that you can never replicate. Yeah. And put, uh, excuse me, put out like a 50th edition of like footage, you know? Yeah, Interviews again. and stuff, like a compilation. With, Redigitized, with, with mud, yeah, covered in mud from the actual Woodstock <laughs> festival, sprinkled with a little. I've actually yeah. been there. Yeah? I've been there. I went. Yes, I of course. Me being the idiot that I was, I was driving around. I went to Woodstock, New York, which is not where it was. It was supposed to be in Woodstock, hence the name. And then something came up at the last minute, and they couldn't do it there, and they moved it to a little town called Bethel. But of course, I never checked before I went because oh. who would? This was back in 1989, I think. <laughs> and I had to drive all the way over to Bethel and they have a field where the Woodstock was. Yeah. They've done a whole bunch of building there now. But at oh, that time, they? they have a little monument which had the logo and there was this hippie dude who just apparently stands there and takes your picture for you for a couple bucks. That's his living. You, ta- you, you want to get your picture, he takes your picture and <laughs> you give him a couple bucks and away you drive. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I agree. Stop trying to... Let it go. Yeah. Let it go. As Elsa sang, let it go. Yeah, well, that's a whole different one. <laughs> that's a whole different... <laughs> you you missed the Elsa craze, right? Your daughter's too old for that. My daughter's too old. I did not have to go through the Frozen uh, Oh, the Frozen situation. Craze. Yep. May, but I bet you... What's the name of the woman who sings that? Do you know the name of her? Edina... Yes, you're right. Menzel. The, the, She'll when, probably be at Woodstock too. Oh, probably. And then John Travolta will... Was butcher he her name? No, but he was the one. Oh. He butchered her name at the Oscars. Oh, okay. When she came out to sing it. See, why don't they have Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta at the Woodstock too, just doing oh, Grease stuff? Oh, they pro- oh, that might be embarrassing though. This isn't going to be embarrassing? Well, that's what it means. Like, just- the, the who? and si- Anyway. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.